This podcast is shareable. I'm going to go ahead on a limb and say this either is or will become your favorite podcast. This is shareable. The show that's so good, you got to tell someone about it. Every episode, we explore the impact of people and technology on our lives and careers, and we send you away with something shareable. Now, without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, Jeff, thank you so much for having me on your show. Absolutely, man. Uh, Tell people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so... I, I was actually born in Germany, raised in Bosnia. The whole immigrant story came to Nebraska out of all places. Uh, they can tell you where to go. So I have family all over the world, uh, some in luckier spots like Florida, uh, some less lucky in Nebraska. But yeah, so I've done that. You know, I had my first job at 12, first business at 14, failed all the way up until 21, uh, where I kind of had my first quote unquote success, uh, built a six figure business in 10 months. Uh, and this is all after spending thousands of dollars investing myself, going to events, uh, investing in courses, seminars, anything I really could. Uh, and then I built that. We got the privilege to work with Gary Vaynerchuk and the team in New York City, which isn't too far from you, Jeff. And uh, yeah, and then now I uh, built a software as a service company that's in 30 plus countries. And now I run a consultancy. Very cool, man. So that's a lot of different things. And we're going to get into the the number of different plates that you're keeping spinning. Um, but before we get to that, let's kind of go back to the beginning and talk a little bit about where this all originated. So you're, you're from, uh, your, your parents immigrated here uh, from Bosnia, you said. So I'm curious, um, given kind of the, the inspiration you had uh, from your parents who, are, uh, who have immigrated over from Bosnia, what was kind of the inspiration for your career path? Because I know, so for instance, um, my wife is Chinese. I grew up in a Jewish household. There are certain kind of like stereotypes about, uh, you know, Jewish and, and Chinese parents around what they kind of push on their children, the type of career paths, the type of different things like that. I'm not familiar with what it is for Bosnian parents, but I'd imagine there's certain career paths and ideas. And yours, I, I'd imagine, is not the prototypical kind of Bosnian immigrant path for a career. So um, how did you kind of get started on this investing in yourself and coaching and entrepreneurial life? Who inspired you to take that path? Kind of what, what helped set you on that path? Yeah, actually, my parents inspired me. I always, I've always seen them working really, really hard. Uh, you know, we, we always had everything we wanted. It's not like I didn't have food or a roof over my head or, or the toys that I wanted. I always had everything that I ever really wanted, but they were working nonstop for it. And I said, there has to be a better way. What if I just get a job and I help them? So I started officiating soccer games because I, I played soccer when I was little. My dad used to play all the way at the national level uh, back in Europe. So I got into soccer just because I knew it and it was easy. And, you know, at 12 years old, I was making, you know, technically $25 an hour. Uh, but you only ref one game one day, maybe two. You're really lucky three. So it's not, you know, I wasn't making thousands of dollars or anything crazy like that. But I was making some income, which I would use then to help my parents. And at some point I said, well, why don't I use some income and then try to build a business? So I started an online shopping mall when I was 14. Uh, I became an affiliate of a bunch of different sites and started driving, learning how to drive traffic and try to sell online. Uh, but there are some difficulties there. But challenges, uh, going back to your question, the challenges, you know, my parents, uh, the goal is always come to America, 
the kids go to school, get a job, have a family, uh, have, have good income, and just live a great life. My sister was a straight-A student. She would literally cry if she got a 98 or a 99 on a test. And I'm the complete opposite, where if I got a 60 or above, I was so happy because I'm going to pass um, most of it because I could never focus. Even in business class, I tried to focus, but then they were teaching techniques that I would implement and they wouldn't work. And I would try to figure out why it didn't work. What can I do to make it work? Uh, so school never captured my full attention. And I was always building something uh, while in those classes. So I could never really focus or give 100% of my attention to classes. Uh, and I would, I've always just kind of been doing this, man, it's since I was little. So a lot of entrepreneurs have this sort of, um, you know, lemonade stand, mowing lawns, uh, you know, shoveling snow sort of origin story. And the path that you took towards digital, towards the internet and the things that you've kind of embraced as career paths and, and entrepreneurial uh, ventures and side hustles, um, that comes from somewhere, right? So you're probably a, a computer kid growing up, like you like technology or something like that. But oftentimes there's also <clears throat> a figure that kind of comes into our life either directly somebody that we've met, somebody that we've known, or somebody that we see on TV or somebody that we see, you know, uh, we've read their book or something like that. Was there anything like that that kind of gave you this kick in the butt to move you down this path? Or was it the sort of thing where you were just tinkering and it, the path kind of just squiggled and made itself? Yeah, it kind of, it's a little bit of both. Uh, from 14 till about 17, I was trying to learn it all on my own. And then I realized I can't do that. And I was actually a computer science um, geek. I was taking all the computer science classes in high school. I think I have a specialty diploma in computer science, taking all the classes you possibly can. Uh, that was supposed to be my degree in college, but I ended up switching to business. And a week after I switched my degree, they went to Chicago. And we went to some entrepreneurial conference and all the speakers inspired me. And I said, why am I learning on my own through Google when I can just get around people who have built a business and I'm young, I'm sure they're willing to teach me if I just show them that I'm hungry and eager to learn. Uh, so that's what I did since then. And then I just started getting around all these speakers at whatever cost it cost me and the, whatever time it cost me, I made sure I can get around all of these people all of the time. Love it. Love it. All right. So all of this is kind of how it all began. And then you, you know, you have a variety of different stops along the way to where you are now. One of those stops was Changing Lanes International. And you were helping others to become authorities in their field, correct? Correct. Okay. So uh, two questions coming out of that. The first would be, what subjects or industries do you consider yourself an authority on? And then secondarily, kind of flowing out of that, what are some of the steps that you'd recommend that others can take kind of at a very baseline level that they can take to start becoming an authority in their field. Yeah, absolutely. Personal branding is by far the biggest thing you can do uh, in today's marketplace. Uh, personal brand, simply just having a following on Instagram, an audience on Instagram or YouTube. Uh, I was at an event not too long ago in San Diego or yeah, San Diego or Los Angeles, somewhere in Southern California. And one of the speakers posted, Hey, I'm going to have a free pop-up event. Join me. And he just put it on his Instagram story, one post, that's it. Not a lot of promotion, just one single post that lasts 24 hours. And he got 100 people to show up in that room. It was a free event. He got his friends to come speak. Uh, it was at a friend's office, completely for free. But from one post, he was able to get 100 people in the room. And that's the moment where it clicked that Instagram is the tool. Events.com, Eventbrite doing a lot of promotion for events is going to become irrelevant. 
So now every, I believe that the marketplace is transitioning from that old model to having a following on Instagram, being able to post, hey, meet me here at this time, and people just show up. Interesting. So you think it's going to be a replacement rather than just a, a different tactic or something that uh, maybe augments an existing site like an Eventbrite or you know a Ticket Leap or something like that? It's in addition to because if you just post on Instagram, you have no idea how many people are going to show up. So you have no idea how much catering to bring in. Uh, drinks, you have no idea what to bring in because you just post on Instagram and, you know, a view doesn't equal someone showing up. So you have to use Instagram. It's not to use Eventbrite, just so you know how many people are going to RSVP, how many people are going to be there, how many chairs do you need? Because uh, one thing you don't want to do is throw a big event and then have three people with 100 empty chairs. So you have to know how many people are going to be there. Uh, same vice versa. You don't want too little amount of chairs and not enough people. Um, so you, you still need to use those in conjunction. Yep. Makes sense. All right. So personal branding would be the thing that, that you kind of hang your hat on, but you're also involved in a number of other things. Briefly, can you just, for those listening, kind of give them a sense of some of the other um, jars that you have your hands in? Yeah. Ironically, I have my hand in the trucking jar because I live in Omaha, Nebraska, which is right in the middle of America, if the listeners don't know. A lot of times when I travel, I tell people I'm from Omaha and everyone goes, where's that? Um, so I'm right in the middle of America. It makes sense that a lot of trucking companies are headquartered out of here. And one of the biggest issues here locally was finding truckers to drive these trucks uh, just because they're nomads. They know that they can go get a job at any point. They can work a week, take four weeks off, work two weeks. They can really do whatever they want. Um, but the companies lose money if the trucks are sitting on their lot empty uh, with nowhere to go with the product in the back. So I, I've used Facebook ads to generate a lot of leads for them which then their team, recruiting team goes through the application process, interview process, and you know, the onboarding process once I actually get hired. Uh, and I'm almost, I filled up their fleet 100% once, then they bought more trucks, and so now we're about to hit 100% again next week, which is unheard of in the industry because most industries have 20% empty of their entire fleet, and each truck generates roughly 250000 uh, So I've generated about $7.5 so far in just under 90 days for this one company. That's a pretty impressive stat. So related to that, one of the things that you're doing is you are the president of SyncSumo, correct? That's still a, a thing that you're doing? Yep. Uh, not as far as the day-to-day. -day. I'm still involved with the company. Uh, I still talk to the founder. Uh, we're still good friends, but the day-to-day, -day, not as much anymore. Got it. Well, that's a very cool platform. That's something that I know a lot of Facebook advertisers and just social media advertisers in general are looking for is that kind of automation. Can you briefly tell people what that's about? Um, one, I, I think it's a good opportunity for you to give a quick plug for it. But two, you know, personal endorsement as a social media advertiser, tools like this are things that we've been looking for. So can you just give a quick brief rundown of what it is? Yeah, absolutely. So Facebook lead ads are absolutely huge. It's, it's an ad. For those that aren't familiar with what a lead ad is, it's when you're scrolling through and you hit yes on the ad or that you want more information, it auto-populates your information you hit submit and it's done. It's the simplest, fastest way to get someone's information uh, for the advertiser and the person wanting that information. Uh, what Facebook does is it puts it in the big long CSV file where you have to then download that and upload that into your CRM or make it an audience inside of Facebook. It's very tedious, time consuming, and Jeff, I'm sure you know time is super valuable and no one has time to upload, download, segment, lists, especially when you're running ads. Some people are running tens of thousands of dollars a day, so they're getting thousands of leads. Who has time to segment all that? Uh, even for the smaller person, you know, 
getting a couple leads every couple hours, you still don't want to segment that or do that yourself. So what SyncSumo does is that we automatically push that data into your CRM. We tag, segment it and tag that lead. Uh, we also give you a little bit of data, uh, making the process of them knowing you, liking you, trusting you shorter. For example, a car company uh, would use a lead ad saying, hey, I know you just looked at this 2019 uh, Chrysler 200. Uh, let us know if you're still interested in the car. You submit the lead ad, someone calls you, but they already have a background on you because a pitch to you know, a 25-year-old bachelor uh, is going to be very different than a 50-year-old uh, with a husband and a couple kids. So we give you that data so you know who you're pitching and how to pitch them better. We also help you create custom audiences from your segment into Facebook. Got it. Well, that's a good overview. And for anybody out there, I definitely suggest you go check out uh, SyncSumo. It's, it's a pretty cool tool from, uh, from what I understand about. I know a couple of the people that are featured in your testimonials. So that's a good, that's kind of a good feather in your cap. Um, yeah. So you've got, you know, you've got being involved in SyncSumo. You've got personal clients. I saw on your website that you're also involved in MMA. So you yeah. do a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people out there and a lot that listen to this show who are the sort of ADD entrepreneur type. They have a lot of different side hustles. They do all these different things. I'm curious as someone who's found some success doing what you're doing, you know, you've written a book, you've got the companies, you've got all these different things going. How do you choose what to prioritize at the top of your list at any given time? Health is always the top priority. Uh, over anything. I love working. I'm a workaholic. A lot of entrepreneurs are the same. Jeff, I don't know if you are. It's hard to make me stop working. Uh, but I want to work as long as I possibly can and never want to retire. But that timeline gets short if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not taking care of my body. Uh, I have nieces and nephews that I absolutely love more than anything in this world. I want to be around for them as long as possible. And that doesn't happen unless I'm super healthy. I, I used to, I was in a really dark our place a couple years ago, I gained a lot of weight. I was close to 300 pounds. Uh, one day I woke up and I said, enough of this. I lost 75 pounds in 12 weeks. Crazy story. I should have ended up in the hospital, but I was so determined to get rid of that life. And ever since then, I've always prioritized health over any business meeting, business, um, any type, anything at all. Uh, even with family, I, I prioritize health over everything now. That's a really good thing to put up there. I, I, I am a recovered workaholic, I would say. I think as I was running my own company where it was really just me at the helm, I put a lot of pressure on myself and uh, you know, probably engaged in more unhealthy habits than were necessary. But as I've my agency was acquired back in late 2017, and since I've been here, I have a little bit more flexibility to focus on my health, my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health. And right. um, I'm 100% with you because you can't really operate at your best if you are not at your best. So I'm 100% with that. Um, so. So you you're, you called yourself a workaholic. You put health first. You also uh, consider personal branding to be kind of like your your primary ballywick. So I'm curious for those that are listening, someone who uh, has all these different hustles, for someone who is uh, you know working heavily in digital marketing with clients. I'm curious what your day to day marketing looks like for your own personal brand. How do you kind of approach that? Do you plan out in advance? Are you kind of like a day to day figure it out on the fly each day? making it real and authentic about what the experience is or kind of walk us through how you operate from a marketing perspective in your, in your own personal brand. Absolutely. I don't do the day to day, but I also don't have a five year, 10 year plan. Cause I feel like that's just too long. So many things can change in that big of a time span. I try to plan out at least a year, at least with some goals I want to. And like you said, health wise, it's not just 
you know, your body. It's also spiritually, mentally. Where do I want to be with that? What weight do I want to be? Uh, how many books do I want to read this year? Where do I want the business? Uh, all of those things I have goals for, for the year. Uh, how much money do I want to make this year? What, what is my income? And I project that. That's big. Uh, also this year, a big focus for me. I've built so many personal brands and I love doing it, I've, but I've always loved being the ghost and not having one myself. And uh, kind of like Jay Abraham, many people don't know who he is until you're building a massive business. Then you realize who Jay Abraham is. That's what I always wanted to be. Uh, but I realized in today's world, you, you kind of need that personal brand. You know, I, I realized I'm kind of a hypocrite telling everyone you need a first brand, you need a first brand and they'll hire me and I help them and it works and they have massive success. And then I realized I'm not even doing this for myself. I should get on that. So I'm building my own personal brand. Uh, like I said, I like being a ghost. I don't like promoting a whole lot, uh, but I started my Instagram page and, you know, at the time I had a couple hundred friends following me and I, you know, when you're building something, especially a personal brand, you need some mission. Uh, nobody cares about Horace Reese. Nobody cares about Jeff Gibber. They care about what we can do for them and they want to follow journeys and stories. So my personal Instagram says how I'm going from 500 followers to 50,000 followers in 365 days. I'm documenting a journey and I'm going to share it with you. Will you be a part of it? People love it and they want to be a part of the journey. They want to know how I'm doing it. They want to know what works so they can use it for themselves uh, so that's why people are going to follow me on Instagram is because I'm documenting the process and sharing tactical tips that are working for me that will work for them as well. So that's a big, big focus for me this year. Solid. I love it. Yeah, I think it's always um, it's tough to be a marketer that helps other people market themselves and at the same time set aside that time to work on your own marketing. It's something that I've struggled with, especially for the last two years. I've been fairly out of it. The one thing that I try to stay very consistent with is this podcast because it's probably among my favorite things that I do in life because I get to talk to interesting people, ask them questions, learn from them. So uh, similar to your um, uh, commitment to learning from other people, my podcast is kind of my version of that. But I 100% get the whole cobbler's children have no shoes thing that happens to all of us. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you this. You, um, you know, if you look at, if somebody were to go and look at your sizzle reel, you'd see that there's just a tremendous number of people that you've shared the stage with, that you've interacted with, that you've worked with, that have endorsed you. I'm curious who are some of the inspirations that you currently still look to that shape how you currently operate? Like who are the, um, it's a conversation I, I talk about with a buddy of mine, John, called Who Got to You First, right? So there are certain inspirational characters that shape how we go about what we do. For me, it's someone like a Seth Godin or a Mitch Joel. Uh, for you, it appears that you know you and Gary Vaynerchuk are, are uh, cut from the same cloth, or, or at least you're following in that kind of a, uh, a model. Who are some of the people that are inspir uh, inspirations to you now that shape how you're operating? Yeah, man. Uh, great question. I'm super blessed to have all those people endorse me. It's just getting around all those people all the time. And the more business owners I'm around, and I just realized this yesterday, the more and more business owners I'm around makes me realize how much of a unicorn Gary Vee really is. So a little bit of background on Gary, if I can share it, Jeff, because he has a company back when I was with him two years ago, there was 780 people with it. Um, we had two floors, an unbelievably massive company, and Gary knows everybody's first name. Gary approaches everybody. If you're on an elevator ride with him, he'll say, hey, Sarah, how's it going? And Sarah would be in shock saying, how do you know my name? He has unbelievable empathy. 
Uh, he understands people at a, at a level where I've never seen before. And still to this day, I don't see that. Uh, he also understands the long game where a lot of people just, you know, want to start a business today. For some reason, Instagram is making it look like, Insta, you know, entrepreneurship is just Lamborghinis and Ferraris. It's not the day to day. It's not treating people correctly. Uh, and Gary just shows that he, he talks about it some, but if you're really around him on a day to day basis for many weeks, you see how unique he really is and how much he loves people around him. And even people that leave his team, he helps them. He helps place them in other places. He helps them after, uh, they're just, he's just such a unicorn, man. He's, uh, someone I idolize to be like when I grow older, for sure. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I think in the marketing community, there's, um, there's kind of a mixed reaction towards Gary because he is so brash and out there and in your face. And I've always found for myself that when I go and I actually look into the nuance of what he says, I really appreciate his perspective and I appreciate the way that he approaches things. And what I tend to get very upset with, or I, or I take issue with is I find that when you reduce Gary to a soundbite, uh, and you look at like the Instagram posts that sometimes go up with quotes that he has, I find that they're, um, they, I think they encourage the wrong type of behavior amongst people. Um, whereas, you know, if you look at his longer form interviews and you really sit down and let him, uh, work through and explain some of the things that he really believes, I, I think it's a much more balanced perspective. And I don't think that he holds himself out in this, um, sort of infallible perspective that a lot of people will see in, in the shorter form clips. Um, you know, I have some things I take issue with what he does, but I think overall he has been an amazingly influential figure in personal branding, digital marketing, et cetera. And um, it at least gives us a nice thing to point to and say, Hey, look, this is a thing. He explained this thing particularly well and simply. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think that he definitely is a unicorn, at least in, in the success that he's had building a personal brand. I mean, it, it's, amazing the the fees that i know he commands to to step on a stage yeah but, you know, something even crazier than that the crazy fees he commands on stage he'll still speak for free at certain places it's all about your positioning and how he can help you he'll still travel around the world uh him and d-rock traveled to i think it was mumbai anyways they traveled 24 hours to go speak somewhere and they traveled right back after this talk uh his hustle is just unbelievable yeah well, kind of pivoting and, and looking at kind of a different uh, set of individuals, have you ever found a mentor or an inspiration who later disappointed you, where you kind of had this picture of who they were, and then maybe you met them, or you learned something about them and realized, you know what, that's actually not somebody whose footsteps I want to follow in? Yeah, absolutely. I won't mention his name, but uh, he he has a very big personal brand, and I got very close with them. We were actually supposed to do a deal together. Um, with his team, but you know, and I was super excited. I flew down um, to Florida where he lives, and everything was supposed to be great. We were all going to make a lot of money together. That's money is great and important. I was just happy that I got to work with someone that I've been following for years and building a relationship for years uh, with. And and then someone offered him a bigger paycheck, and he cut myself, my partner, and his team out of it, and he just took a bigger check and did it with somebody else. And that was so disappointing. Uh, his team ended up leaving him. Uh, I don't do business with him. Uh, it's just that money and greed aspect to it. Uh, it. It's not really my thing. Money is super important in business. Uh, it's how we live. We, we have to put food in our fridge and a roof over our heads. Money is important. 
but it shouldn't be prioritizing over other people in your reputation because it takes a long time to build a reputation and only a couple of seconds to just completely obliterate it. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. Well, I want to, I want to kind of end our uh, time together today on uh, a question that I think is super important given the type of work that you do, given the way that your career has progressed. And also it ties in nicely to the theme of shareable, uh, talking about the impact of people and technology on our lives and careers. So you do work in technology. You work with people. A lot of your stuff is in social. It deals with people's behaviors. It deals with a lot of the technology around remarketing and different, um, you know, uh, API backend tools that help you do things more efficiently. But I'm curious if you kind of take five or 10 steps back and look kind of more globally, what technology trends do you see impacting your career over the next decade or so? And what are your plans to deal with that? Yeah, your phone is unbelievably magical. Jeff, Imagine in 19 or even early 2000s, you go to some event or you go meet with somebody and then what is the follow-up after? Let me have your business card, right? And then you follow up with them with an email. Hey, it was great talking to you at you know XYZ. Hope you're doing well. Let's stay in touch. They respond, yeah, likewise. I hope we stay in touch too. Uh, two, three weeks later, you go, hey, uh, how's the family? How's, uh, how's business? They respond, you know, it's good, it's good. And then it's very hard to keep that relationship solid and built, right? Back in the early 2000s, that's how people did it. Nowadays, I never, I don't have business cards. I never take business cards with me. I connect with them on Facebook or Instagram because, A, I'm building my own Instagram, so it's important to me that way. Uh, but I also want to connect with people on Facebook and Instagram because I want to follow them. I want to engage with them. If they post a cute picture of their dog, I can say, oh, the dog's adorable. Or if they're on a flight to, I don't know, San Diego, I can tell them, oh, you should go check out uh, this piano bar. It's unbelievably entertaining. Or go check out this view in Denver. It's just breathtaking. But you can't do that via email. So our phones and connecting to people on social media is a game changer because we can stay in contact with people. Uh, and it's not so business focused. It's more personal level focused where I can engage with them and share, or even when I'm going somewhere, they comment on my things and say, hey, you should do this or that. And, and it's fun and engaging that way. So our phones, Jeff, I don't know if you know these stats, but people check Facebook on average in America 18 times a day and Instagram 24 times a day. Now here's an even staggering number. Uh, people pick up their phone 216 times in one single day, which is unbelievable. You know, 10 years, if you told someone they would do that, they would say, that's absolutely crazy. I don't care about it. I've actually had to turn off all notifications on my phone just so I can focus because every time you get a notification, it takes you 20 minutes to get into the zone for work-wise. So every time you get a notification, it interrupts your zone and your flow, you check it, and then you go back to work because you're curious. Um, but I've turned off all notifications, but the cell phone is an incredible tool and we can stay connected with people not just in America, but all around the world, 24-7. One of my good friends lives in Germany now, uh, and we still stay in touch on a weekly basis on social media because it's important, and we can nowadays. So that's the biggest tool, uh, utilizing it. People are going to replace cameras with their phones. Everything is just being replaced by a phone. So you're using the utilize that for everything, making websites mobily optimized because 90% of traffic is on mobile. Um, just making sure everything is mobile focused is the key. Love it, man. I think that's great advice. Something for people to keep an eye out for. 
So I guess if I had to say that this episode was anything, I guess I would say it was shareable. Wait, the show's not over yet. I have some important announcements. If you made it this far, you're clearly a dedicated fan or you're in the middle of vacuuming and just haven't hit stop on your podcasting app. Whatever the case, we want to thank you. We're not just music to your ears, we're music to your inbox. If you subscribe to our email list at sharablepodcast.com slash subscribe, not only will you get access to our private Facebook group, you'll also get all of our blog posts, newsletters, special announcements, and more. You won't find any of that in your podcast feed. You can follow the show at shareable underscore pod on Twitter and just shareable podcast on everything else. You can find Jeff online at jeffgibber.com and you can connect with me on Twitter at Caroline Sohn because I don't have a website yet. So go ahead, call us, leave a message, subscribe to our list, leave a rating, review us on iTunes, tell a friend, tell your mom. If she's like my mom, she'll love it. And now for the thank you portion to all the folks that make this podcast possible. Shout out to DJ Quads for the use of our theme song, Always, and Ahimitsu for the use of our outro song, Adventures. And a big thank you to Ray Bueno for all of that sexy production value. 